Welcome to Masterpiece Women. This is Tina Raines, and I'm the founder of Masterpiece Women, and I am so excited to have you here today. We are a community of authentic women from all over the world, growing together, personally, professionally, building businesses and ministries together. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite tea and sit back and grow with us. Thanks for being here, ladies. Hello, lovely ladies. I hope you're doing wonderful today. So today we are in Exodus 11 and 12. And so much is going on in these two. There's so many details and so much going on. So let's start with chapter 11 and talk a little bit about where did we leave off in the last chapter? The last chapter when we were talking about um, or in the plague of the darkness, that was so vivid. And when you think about being in the dark and how you can't see anything and I think about us being in the dark, even in our own lives, when we think about being in the dark in um, sin and just in bondage, it's so dark and it's so um, difficult. And it's yet yeah, that oftentimes that's where God does amazing work in our lives. And so we just left that chapter and um and I would love for you to share what you're, what you're seeing, what God's showing you in chapters nine and 10. So let's, let's talk about um, the darkness and how Pharaoh in 10, he continued to, um, he continued to harden his heart, didn't he? And his sin grew and it grew and it grew and it got worse and it worse, got worse and worse and worse. And so then in chapter 11, what happens in chapter 11, we see now the let's start with verse one the plague of the firstborn now the lord had said to moses i will bring one more plague on pharaoh and on egypt after that he will let you go from here and when he does he will drive you out completely tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold the lord made egypt Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. He gave him favor. And when you look at that, you see how he was um, favored by the people. And he says to them, okay, when they get ready to go, they're going to go take their gold and their silver and their precious things and so Moses said, this is what the Lord says about midnight. I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the thrones to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her hand mill and the firstborn of the cattle as well. So he's not just going to take, he's not just going to take the men and the women, um, excuse me, the, you know, the firstborn son of all the families is also going to do it of the, of the um, cattle. And so that's pretty significant because when you think about the Egyptians, number one, they worship life. They gave great attention to the preparations of the births and the preparation of the deaths. Second thing was the Egyptian culture the firstborn were considered sacred, were they not? 
God calls Israel his firstborn. If you look back at Exodus 4:22, Jeremiah 20, excuse me, Jeremiah 31:9, Hosea 11:1, 1, the Lord calls Israel his firstborn. And if you remember at the very beginning of this conflict, Moses did what? He had warned Pharaoh that he treated God's firstborn would determine how God treated Egypt's firstborn. And so when you look at that and you see in Exodus 4, 22 to 23, he talks about that. Pharaoh had already tried to kill the Jewish male babies and his soldiers had brutally mistreated the Jewish people. So he had already killed the firstborn of his chosen people, of Israel, of his firstborn. So the Lord is really repaying Pharaoh back. And this is truly a great example of Galatians 6, 7 that says, God is not to be mocked for whatever a man sows that he too shall reap. Egypt is about to reap exactly what Pharaoh sowed. At the end of the, what's sad though is it wasn't just Pharaoh who is gonna suffer. All these Egyptians were gonna suffer. And that's what happens when you follow a leader that is not godly and that is not doing what he should be doing. That's why it's imperative that not only do we follow only leaders that are doing the right thing, but that we are leaders that are doing the right thing. We want to be the leaders that people can follow and feel good about following and that are truly doing what the Lord has called us to do. And so as you look at this and you watch how these Egyptian people are about to, uh, they're about to, you know, suffer the consequence of what Pharaoh's done, Moses leaves mad, he leaves hot, angry, and it, it just didn't have to be that way, did it? And I, I think that's probably part of Moses's great frustrations. Not only are all these people going to die, it didn't have to be this way, but God told Moses that Pharaoh wouldn't listen, even after all the miracles and after all the plagues, everything that Pharaoh was not going to listen, that he was going to harden his heart. And he warned him. And in chapter 12, the Lord gives Moses and Aaron very explicit instructions for the Passover, deep, detailed, very, very detailed about the Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread. And he prepared him with all these details. He told him, you better be ready. You better be ready. He warns them to put the blood on their doors. You, he warned them he was going to come through and he was going to wipe out all the firstborn. And the only way he, that they were to be protected is if they had the blood on their doorways. And um, he repeats again. And we saw that over and over in these chapters. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And we see how he's showing his sovereignty and he's showing how he's not going to be mocked and he's showing how he's omnipotent. He's showing his powerful abilities to do whatever he wants to do and that you will not sow the death of my firstborn and the treatment of my firstborn and not reap the consequences of it. God told them, told them that um, he would spare the lives of the Hebrew firstborns. 
So that's how they were going to see, just like in these other plagues, what did he do? He showed his favor to his firstborn. He showed his favor to his children. He showed his favor on every single one of the other plagues. He made it clear, these are my people. When the other things, even the darkness, what happened? So God's really, I believe in this telling us too, we are his children and we have his favor. And as we're obedient to him and we are surrendered to him, he will bless us. He says, if we will honor him, he will bless us. And so I just want to encourage you, whatever you're doing today, just take some time to be with him and um, remember that just as he talked about, you know, sparing his firstborn and the, the Hebrews firstborn sons, just like any leader, God communicated very clearly to his people. And I believe if you look at that, it's a perfect example of how we too should communicate as leaders to our people. We should be communicating very clearly, very detailed so that our people know. And if you're like me, I'm not a detail girl. You have to get people around you that will help you with the detail because that's not my gifting. So if you don't, if you're not a detail, make sure that you're leading well and that you're communicating well. And so it doesn't have to be in, um, it doesn't have to be so detailed. If you're not a detail girl, get someone around you that can and just communicate clearly to your team. Make sure you're that you're that leader that, your people know exactly where you're going and that they're not sold out for the exact plan, but they're sold out for the goal because we can make a plan and we can set goals and have this whole entire detailed plan to go. But what happens? We have to pivot sometimes and that's okay. But when God tells us to do something, we need to do it. And even in that, he may not tell us all the details up front but we have to be prepared to follow him when he does. And we need to pre be prepared to follow closely and listen to what God gives us. So I think it's also really a really great time when you look at this chapter to look at and recognize Moses as a 360 degree leader that he was. He was amazing. He was humble. And we just see the story of him leading his people out of Egypt. And it's such a vivid illustration because when you look at a leader, you look at the sacrifice that they have to make, you look at the way they um, lead with humility, and he really does a 360 degree turn from his position. He was born into, he could have just stayed in the palace, couldn't he have? He grew up in the palace, but yet he gave it all up. And what, what did he do? He went to be a shepherd for 40 years. And he was in the wilderness for 40 years, I should say. He went to be a shepherd. Then he comes back. He comes back to Israel because God calls him to come back. He leaves where he's at. He tells um, his leader, his um, father-in-law, look, I have to go back. And he returns. He returns with no title, no position. And he now has to convince everybody. He has to convince the Egyptians to let him go, Pharaoh to let the people go. He has to com convince the Israelites to follow him. The Jewish people have to be convinced to follow him. And they weren't real sure of him at first. And he had no reason, no reason for them to follow him. 
He had no experience. He had no credibility with them. He had nothing. He was starting with zero experience and he had no, no track record to be able to tell them, sell them as someone else might. So he really what he had to depend on influencing through many other things besides position. And I, I want you to really focus on um, how imperative it is that we pay attention when we are um, leading. We wanna make sure that we're leading well. We wanna make sure that we are following what God's called us to do. We're, we wanna make sure that as we're leading others that we're doing just what God's told us to do so that we then lead them in the right direction. So let's look a little bit about, little bit in, um, I let and I've shared with you a lot. I love to study. So I have all my books. I'll share all my books. So I love this study Bible. This study Bible is my, um, this one is the NLT. This is the illustrated study Bible and it's the new um, living translation. My daughter gave this to me. I love this Bible. I had used a Bible just like this for years and years. And God told me to give it to someone. I was on a mission trip in Haiti and um, there was a beautiful young woman with us who didn't have a Bible. And the Lord told me to, to give it to her. I was like, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> I was so selfish. I did not want to because I had every note I'd written for two decades in that Bible. And I'd studied and studied, I mean, in depth, just about every single chapter in the, in the Bible and had all these great notes in there. But he said, give it to her. So I did. So this one's newer. My daughter got it for me. And it's, I love it. So if you don't have a good study Bible, I'm going to encourage you make sure you grab one. And for those of you on the podcast that can't see me, this is the NLT Illustrated Study Bible. It's phenomenal if you need a good study Bible. My favorite other Bible, though, that I love to do multiple things um, is the John Maxwell Leadership Bible. And this one I've worn out to pieces, but I love it because it talks about the different types of leaders in the Bible. And I know I've shared that with you, but I encourage you to get it. If you're leading anything, it really helps you to focus on all the leadership in the Bible. Also the 21 laws of leadership, which is an amazing study. If you haven't gotten that book, make sure you read that book because you want to make sure you're practicing the 21 laws of leadership so that you're the best leader you can be. So let's look actually at what um, Moses, his, the way he was a leader. And um, in here, he talks about that. His connection with God, number one, is his connection with God, the story and glory of the burning bush. Right off the bat, he saw this burning bush and God shows the people that he's connected to him, doesn't he? He is very um, adamant to make sure that he shows them some grandiose um, example. And the burning bush was the first, um, the story and the glory of it. Then he also, um, and these are just the virtues that he leaned on, Moses leaned on, his abilities and anointing. So God confirmed his words and plagues with miracles. 
The third thing he um, leaned on his virtue was his sacrifice. He left his earlier position in order to fulfill a very difficult calling. Fourth, his wisdom. He knew what to do and where to go, and he gave instructions. Five, his confidence. He had, con he had conviction about his task. He had the confidence that the Lord was with him. He knew. He knew that he knew that he knew that the Lord was with him. So he, he wasn't, although I can imagine if you and I were Moses and the Lord's telling him, go do this and doesn't, and still doesn't get what he thinks it's supposed to happen. Go do this. And you, you continue to do exactly what God calls you doing. You're not seeing the results. How often does that happen to us? And he knew he had wisdom though. He knew that he knew that he knew, and he had the confidence. He knew that God was with them. And he knew that God was going to, if he called him to it, he's going to get him to it, didn't he? And I continuously say, Lord, let me have that confidence in you. Let me have that wisdom that you give me everything I need, that I know exactly what to do, exactly where to go, just like Moses did, and exactly what to say. Every time I do one of these studies with you, I just pray and pray and spend time. And as I'm studying the chapters in three different Bibles, I'm like, Lord, just show me what it is you want me to say. Because sometimes, you know, in my flesh, I keep saying the same thing over and over and over. Is that what God wants you to hear? Well, you're hearing what I believe God wants you to hear in this. And so I'm, I'm sharing the fifth way that Moses leaned on his own virtue was what? His humility. His humility. And we talked about humility in the last chapter as well. And I I think it goes, you know, it just is so important for us to pay attention to what a humble servant he was. He was considered by everybody to be a humble servant, one of the most humble servants leaders of all times. And as we lead others, it's just imperative that we pay attention to how we are leading others. And in verse 29, if you look at verse 29, we see where God swept through at midnight and struck down all the firstborn in Egypt. And what happens? There's this huge, huge wailing, just a wailing. You can imagine, imagine being that, um, that mother waking up and her firstborn son is gone. Even Pharaoh, who was stubborn and prideful and rude and wasn't obedient to God at all. Could you imagine how he must have felt when he woke up knowing that his decision not only killed all the firstborn in, the, in Egypt, but killed his own firstborn? That's tragic. And it was pretty significant the wailing and the pain, but it's also very significant because what happens then? Then Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron, orders them, leave, get out, go. Basically, in verse 35, we see how the Israelites received articles of silver and gold from the Egyptians. In 37, they leave. And there's about 600,000 men, along with all the women, the children, and he didn't hold back the livestock this time. Livestock, everything got to go. After 430 years of living in Egypt, the Israelite people were leaving. They were free. They're on their way. 
and it was just beginning on their trek, wasn't it? Those who have read it previously know there's a lot more that happens between now and the end of Exodus, but they're finally able to leave. Pharaoh says, go. The Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. And he used a humble leader. He was full of humility to make it happen. So I think that's just such a beautiful picture of um, how we should be as well. And the Lord was very, very, very explicit regarding the Passover and how they were to do it and what that was going to look like, even how they should dress, what they should eat, what they should leave. And as they left Egypt, they looked like an army and they're finally free and they're finally on their way. And you think about it, I'm like, it makes me excited just thinking about it because it reminds me so much of who God is and the freedom we have and how we're able to be free from all the encumbersome and anything that the enemy tries to hold us in bondage with. We can be free. And so once, you know, we're delivered from our bondage, that there's just such a peace and such a joy that's overwhelming. Unlike the Jews, we do not have to stay in captivity 430 years, do we? And you look at that, and there's a lot of things God was accomplishing in that time for them. For us, he does take us through these seasons of the desert. He takes us through these seasons of the wilderness, and he does something. However, we're blessed. All we have to do is surrender to him. And he is faithful to forgive. He's faithful to um, complete the good work that he started in us. And he sent Jesus so that we don't have to live that kind of life. So I'm going to ask you, is there something that God's calling you to surrender today? Let's pray. Lord, today we choose to surrender it all. We choose, Lord, to ask you to deliver us now, Father. I ask you to deliver me from anything that's holding me back from being all that you've called me to be. Ladies, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you right now to just ask God to forgive you for whatever it is that is still holding you in bondage, whatever sin it is, whatever whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's temptation, whether it's a lust, whatever that is for you, Surrender it today, ladies. Let's choose to surrender. Let this be our day of great victory that we're like the Egyptians taking off. Lord, we just thank you, Father God, for forgiving our sins. We thank you, Father God, for loving us completely, for delivering us, for setting us free, for being the Father, great, great Father that you are, Father God. And we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you that you love us so much. And we just commit our lives and we surrender our lives completely to you, Father. And we thank you, Father. We ask that you'll let us be the humble servants you've called us to be. Remove any pride, remove any doubt, remove any sin from our lives so that we can serve you totally, 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 completely. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, ladies. God bless you guys. And I will see you on the next one.